Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. All right, good morning, everyone. I thought for sure that our, uh, our question of the day was going to be uh, Buckeyes or Wolverines. It begins. It begins. Oh, man. I had to get that out of my system. Because Lord knows when uh, my Wolverines take care of business next week, I can't say a word about it next Sunday. Cheaters. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to preach here. <laughs> Man, it is so good to be with you. I love you guys. And uh, you still love me too. I, I, uh, I hope you still love me next week. I wish I could actually give you a whole diatribe on my thought about this scandal. Um, but that's not what this uh, position is for. Let's talk afterwards though, okay? <laughs> Oh, man. Are you ready to receive the word of the Lord today? Thank you for putting up with a Michigan fan as one of your pastors. You guys are the ones that show the real love here. And uh, I have some scripture I want to share with you this morning. In fact, I'm going to kind of jump in, and I'm going to be honest with you. As I was writing this message, it's kind of, have you ever done this thing called mind mapping before? Have you seen this before? Uh, Where you kind of have the central theme, and then you have all these ideas that pop off of it. Uh, Well, I think that's kind of what the message is going to look like a little bit today, and I want you to stick with me as best as you can, Uh, but I had a whole message written, and then last night I shouldn't have done it. I sat down, uh, and then I added like five more points to it. So we're going to go this morning. Is that all right? All right. I want to start out, and this wasn't in there, and the guys in the back don't have it. Sorry, guys. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And you don't need to uh, open to this one. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says this. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I'm going to go back to 17 here. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Today, I believe it's God's intention and God's desire to pour out his spirit upon all of us today. That God is pouring out his spirit upon you and in your situation, and it says all people, I love that. That God's spirit is available to all today. And so I hope you came ready and hungry to receive his word and open and ready to receive the spirit of God. If you're saying, God, I want to be the vessel right now that you pour your spirit out into, Lord, fill me up. If that's your prayer today, would you say, fill me up? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come in this place, God, that you would move and that Jesus would be central. 
God, that you would meet us right where we are today. God, you're more than enough and you always are. Speak to us through your word, we ask in your name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 6 this morning. And uh, we're going to be starting in verse 3 here. And uh, it should be up on the screen as well. It says this. It says, Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. And turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Verse 6, it said, He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He said, well, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave Thanks, everyone say thanks. thanks. Gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Word of the Lord for the people of God today. Can you imagine what that scene must have looked like? Jesus with his disciples, and people are looking for Jesus, and it talks about 5,000 men, not talking about women and children, multitudes of people. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and Jesus looks at his disciple and he said, we need to feed these people. Now, I'm going to be honest. If someone looked at me and said, I need to feed y'all, you would be getting rice. I would be going to Costco and buying rice. In fact, I don't know if you had this. When I was a kid, one of our meals was rice, and I can't believe I'm saying this, it's kind of gross. Raisins. You guys ever have that, rice and raisins? Whew. I never want to have those again. But they didn't have any food, and, and they say, Jesus, even if all of us were working for a very long time, we couldn't feed all of these people, and Jesus knew what he wanted to do, and there, there was this faithful person that said, well, there's this kid with his lunchbox. In other words, this kid's mom knew that this child was going to see Jesus and packed his lunch before he left. Couple PB and J sandwiches and some chips. Or in their day, five loaves and a, a, a couple fish. And I, I imagine everyone's looking at the, that disciple, Andrew, that said that. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's, it's, it's not going to work. And, and there's all this doubt. And Jesus says, okay, everyone, have everyone be seated. Tell them to sit down. 
John 6, 11 says, but then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed, distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. And it's this dinner prayer that I keep thinking about. He sat down, had everyone sit down, and the Bible said he gave thanks. Everyone say thanks. We're in week three of our series, Thank You Notes. And I have to tell you, if I'm being completely honest, that I have a love-hate relationship with dinner prayers. And here's what I mean by that. I love short ones and hate long ones. It's ridiculous, right? My grandpa was a pastor, and he always said the best dinner prayers were short ones. We got along really well. But this prayer was powerful. There was something powerful that happened there um, when he gave thanks, when gratitude was apart and kicked off what was about to happen. And he took this boy's lunch, and he fed thousands with it. And I've often wondered, what would that look like here? And in fact, a couple years ago at Christmas time, it happened over it with some of our friends at Jordan's Crossing, and people came back, and I wasn't there to witness it, but I can't tell you how many people told me about it. Because there was this Christmas toy giveaway. And wouldn't you know it, more, more kids showed up than what it looked like there were toys. I said, what'd you do? And they said, well, we just kept giving toys away. And wouldn't you know it that by the end of it, every kid got a toy even though it didn't look like there was enough? Like we see this stuff and this is how God moves and works, but I think sometimes we read stories like this and we think that maybe, uh, does that stuff really happen still? But it got me thinking, why is it important that we give thanks before we eat, that we say grace? I'm sure a lot of you later this week at Thanksgiving are getting ready uh, to sit around a table and you're going to give thanks, and maybe uh, you're like my family, and we like to say what we're grateful for, what's something you're thankful for this year. But why do we say grace? And, and I wrote down a list of why I think it's important to give thanks before we eat. You can write it down. It won't be on the screen. But what I do when I bow my head and I pray before dinner is I'm reordering my priorities, Right? I'm realizing that I'm not the source of my sustenance, that I am not the source of what I'm about to take in that God is. It reminds me when I pray that I am blessed. It reminds me that I am not alone. It reminds me that I belong at the table, right? These are all things we can be grateful for. We say, God, I thank you uh, that you are my source. God, I thank you that you are the source of my blessings. I thank you that I'm not alone. God, I thank you that I belong at this table because you are here with me. And Jesus, after he said this prayer and he broke the bread, there was more than enough. And, and I've tried to play it out in my mind kind of what this looks like when Jesus did this. Because I'm sure the disciples, when they followed Jesus around, didn't follow him around with a pickup truck full of baskets. That Jesus starts breaking the bread, and I imagine people were literally just taking their shirts out and holding it out and saying, Jesus, will you just fill the bread here? 
people that maybe weren't even prepared for God to make a move, or maybe the disciples that did have a couple baskets were, uh, maybe they had their clothes, they were dumping these things on the ground, ready for what God had provided for them. You see, uh, as I mentioned Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. And I'm not gonna lie, I think I'm more of a ham guy than a turkey one. I don't know if you heard that down front. They said it's because I'm a Michigan fan. (laughs) You see, but I remember as a kid, my mom had this thing called a china cabinet. Anyone have a china cabinet or know what that is? Okay. I think they kept gold bars in this cabinet. Because I was never able to touch it. I was never able to get into it, but I know a couple times a year, Thanksgiving, Easter, maybe Christmas, these things come out. And it's these special, special dishes that apparently have lots of history. The silver comes out. And I hated it because we had a rule in our family that the men do the dishes. And those don't go in the dishwasher. And uh, I have to tell you, I have three wild children. We don't have the luxury of having a china cabinet. Because I remember my youngest, or my oldest, when we would go over to my folks' house, mom still has one of these cabinets. And uh, I remember uh, hearing, no, stop, no, stop. And he had apparently, two or three years old, went in, ripped open the doors, and found one of mom's china glasses and was sprinting through the house as fast as he can with everyone chasing after him. You know what that's like. Now, I may not have a a china cabinet, but let me show you one of my favorite dishes. Casserole dish. And it's a, uh, one of those brown, old-school Pyrex dishes. And in fact, we had a family argument about what was going in this dish earlier this week. Because we're getting ready to go to Thanksgiving, and I have to tell you, it's not Thanksgiving at the Morrison household unless we have a certain dish. And uh, I don't know what you call it, probably corn pudding, but we call it scalloped corn. Let me tell you what makes up scalloped corn. Scalloped corn is, uh, you know, normal corn mixed with cream-style corn, mixed with sugar and lots of butter covered in crackers and baked in the oven and then covered in sugar again. (laughs) And uh, my folks were traveling in from out of town and one of my siblings said, I'm gonna make the scalloped corn this year. And she was very sternly warned not to mess up the family scalloped corn. Anyways, enough about my life. The Bible says that people ate around Jesus and were full. It says, afterward, everyone was full, and Jesus told his disciples, now go gather the leftover so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves, which leads me to my favorite Thanksgiving container. the leftover container. (laughs) You know! And I wanna hear an amen here. (laughs) 
You know grandma loves you when she takes out one of her beloved Tupperware and she fills it up. Can I get an amen this morning? And they fill it up and then grandma says, just bring that Tupperware back next time you see me, honey. And you never do. I think Thanksgiving tastes better the next day, doesn't it? Okay, David, get to the point. You see, I have all these vessels up here. And it hit me as I was reading through this story and I was thinking about what's coming up this week uh, with Thanksgiving. And I was looking at Jesus when he gave thanks and what he was doing. He He was saying, God, use me. God, I know what you're able to do, and I know what everyone else thinks you're not able to do, and so I want to give you thanks because I know that you're going to work out what's happening right now. You see, the value in that moment was in the vessel. The value in that moment was in the vessel, and you see, these vessels are all different, but these vessels are valuable when they're used for what they're made for. Because I believe this, That when there is a vessel willing to be used, God can take the not enough and the just barely enough and turn it into more than enough. Do you believe that? I'm going to say that again. When there is a vessel willing to be used, God can take the not enough and the just barely enough and turn it into more than enough. I wonder how many people are here today or watching right now that would say, I don't have enough. There's not enough. I've heard these conversations. I hear them all the time. In fact, I say them, God, there's not enough. How is this going to work out? And God says, watch me. Watch me. Watch me move. Watch me work because in this story, there started out to be not enough and there was so much left over uh, that Jesus said, I don't want anything to be wasted, so go pick up those scraps and nothing was wasted. I'm not talking about food, I'm talking about Jesus today. I'm talking about Jesus seeing our deepest needs, knowing we are unable to provide for our deepest need and saying, will you accept what I have for you. That in that moment, Jesus was beautiful because Jesus, as God, was the vessel of his grace for those people, and they didn't know what was happening. In fact, later on in the passage, we find out that they follow Jesus around the lake. And Jesus stops him and says, you guys followed me because I gave you a free meal. But you need to know it's not about the bread that I broke that filled your stomach. He said, I am the bread of life. I'm more than enough. I'm able to meet your needs, not just your immediate needs, but the ones for your soul. And it began with this simple prayer where he gave thanks. A prayer of gratitude. And and something I've been wrestling with this week that I want you to hear is this idea because I believe it. I wrestled with it. I argued about it. I'm like, why did he give thanks? Why was that what Jesus did? Why was it a a, a prayer of gratitude? Why wasn't it, all right, God, me, you, here's what I need you to do. You see, I got these loaves and these fish, and I need you, I'm going to rip them, but when I do, somehow, I'm going to need you to work this out, and I'm going to need you to turn these into a lot more. 
How many of us, when we pray, try to control God that way? We see our problem and then we tell God how we want him to fix it. But instead, a very simple prayer of gratitude will suffice because I believe this is that a grateful heart will be a faith-filled heart. A grateful heart will be a faith-filled heart. And here's what I mean by that. I have all sorts of people ask me, how do I have faith? What does it look like to have faith? What if we wanted to have faith, we just started by saying thanks? What if I started with just a simple prayer of gratitude? You see, because gratitude is an act of faith, just like I talked about those dinner prayers where I realize and I recognize that I'm not the source, that I'm blessed, that God is with me, that I'm not alone. It recognizes I'm simply a vessel and said, God, I'm not sure how this is gonna work out, but I thank you for working it out. That God, I know you're gonna work it out even though I may not see the solution or maybe I don't even see the way. I'm thankful, God, for this moment. What would it look like to be in our worst moments? And the first words out of our mouths are words of gratitude. What does that look like? That's a discipline, right? Because it's so easy to be ones that complain. Or it's so easy to say, God, I'm not sure where you are. God, I'm not sure how you can fix this. God, it's not enough. I don't have enough food or I don't have enough money or I don't have enough of a relationship. And maybe what Jesus is trying to teach us here in this moment is just saying, would you just say thank you? Would you just be grateful for what I've given you? You see, I'm going to point to another passage of scripture here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 26. You can open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26 here. Matthew 26, verse 26. Because as Jesus in John chapter 6 was feeding people, The Bible has this little brief description. It said it was about Passover time. (coughs) Passover would have been a thing that all Jews of the era would have celebrated, and they had no idea what was actually happening. Because I think in John chapter 6, we see a precursor to Matthew chapter 26, which says this. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread blessed it. He gave thanks and he broke it in pieces and he gave it to his disciples saying, this, take this and eat it for it's my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people, it is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Here in a few days, we're getting ready to gather around tables with people. Some of y'all have to work and you're having Thanksgiving on Saturday. 
And I felt like it was very important to share in this sacrament together because as I was studying, one of the things I, I came to find is this Greek word for communion. You might have heard it before. It's Eucharist. Have you heard Eucharist before? Or the Greek word Eucharistia? And do you know what it means? It means Thanksgiving. The word communion means Thanksgiving. That when we receive communion, this is an opportunity like we gather around the table to tell God thank you for what God has done, is doing, and will do. We give worship to God by saying thank you. And I try to imagine in that moment what it must have looked like for Jesus to break bread. And he gave thanks again. And he took the bread and gave thanks. And what was Jesus thankful for? What did Jesus have to be grateful for? God, I thank you that in a, a day or two, I'm going to be murdered and tortured and killed and sacrificed. That's probably what I would say, sarcastically. But what if in that moment, Jesus was saying, God, you're a God that provides just as I've seen you move and work time and time again, I know you're going to provide now. God, I am thankful that I have people next to me to share this with. I am thankful that you are using me as a vessel for my life to be poured out. I'm thankful that the people that I'm sitting next to, these disciples, Christian history would tell us that uh, 11 out of the 12 of them would be killed for following Jesus. Well, 10 out of 12. That they would be vessels poured out for other people to see Jesus. And as I think about this time of communion that we're going to share in just a moment, I think sometimes when I talk about this idea of Jesus' grace and life being poured out for us, we cannot imagine capturing it because we're broken vessels ourselves. That we're so broken and we're messed up that I can't even imagine what it looks like to contain the grace and the blessings of God. How many would be willing to say honestly today that you've been a broken vessel or maybe you are? But that's the beauty of what Jesus does. Jesus can take a broken vessel and he can take all of your problems and the worst that you've done and he can pull it back together again. That Jesus can take something that was used, a life that was used for something totally wrong and, and different and he can use you to be poured out for his purpose. I'm reminded of the wedding at Cana, one of Jesus' first miracles where they're at this party and they're, they're running out of drinks and Mary comes to Jesus and tells him, hey, just listen and do what he says. And he says, mom, stop. 
You're embarrassing me. No, I don't know. Mom, it's not time. Okay, whatever, Jesus. Do what he says. And what the Bible tells us is that he said, all right, you see those jars over there that are used to wash people's feet? I want you to go fill them up with water. These jars used for a kind of a gross task and used to have a different purpose. The Bible tells us they became uh, a wine that was so great that the, the head of ceremonies took it out and tasted it and said, normally we give this stuff away at the beginning, but you're saving the best for last. And this is what God does. God takes broken vessels. God takes old vessels. God takes people that were used for totally different things, and he repurposes them, and he fills us up, and he pours us out, and he says, this is what I've created you for, to pour out who I am from you. And so this morning, as we prepare to receive communion together, in fact, I'm going to ask our servers to come to the front and grab your vessels here. It's going to be a little bit different. Because I have a few key vessels that I want to share with you. Servers, you guys can go ahead and just grab them and stand there and get ready to go to your sections here in a moment. I have this Tupperware vessel and uh, it may not look like something special to you, but it actually, if you can see the bottom, it's for deviled eggs. This is Brian's. I said, Brian, why does this matter to you? You know what he told me? He said, when I go to Thanksgiving, this is a special dish that is made special for me and my cousin. There's a certain ingredients that we don't like in deviled eggs, and so my grandma, my family makes it for me, does something special for me, and so I love seeing that dish every single year. Brian, are you? This vessel here, I want to be really careful with it. It's from Maryland. I said, Marilyn, what's special about this vessel? And she said, well, it came over with my grandparents from Sweden. Came across the ocean to be here, and it's very special. And she said, you know what I remember? At the Thanksgiving services, she said we would sing a hymn, and I think they would start out in Swedish and end in English, but this was part of the hymn that I pulled out. It says, thanks for prayers that thou hast answered. Thanks for what thou dost deny. Thanks for storms that I have weathered. Thanks for all thou dost supply. As we prepare to receive communion this morning, you can look up front and there are people here that brought their special dishes. That just like when we gather around the table and mom opens up the china cabinet or whatever your tradition or the, the brown Pyrex or the deviled eggs, I don't know. 
but they brought their special dishes here today and they're filled with the most special thing out there. They're filled with communion. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you, being poured out for broken vessels, just like you and just like me. And in fact, I wanna take a moment before we receive because we practice something here called open communion and this is what it means. You don't have to be a member or an owner here at the NAS. You don't have to have the whole Bible memorized. All you need to do is be in relationship with Jesus. And so we're gonna take a moment and pray. That just as Jesus' life was broken and poured out for us, if you're in that place and you say, I'm a broken vessel, you need to know that the only way to be made whole again is through Jesus Christ. And we're gonna say a prayer to be enter into relationship with him and then I'll give instructions to share. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence, God, that you've poured yourself out here today through your word. God, that you were broken so that we could be made whole again. You were poured out so that we could be free. And God, I pray for those that don't have relationship with you today, Jesus, we say we need you. Forgive me. Pick up the pieces of my life. Make me whole again so I can be poured out. We ask this in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. So we're gonna have an intimate time of communion this morning. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to receive your communion gracefully today. And I want you to hang on to it until I give you instructions that you need to know these are special dishes being passed in front of you that represent family, that represent traditions, that represent new life, and it represents what Jesus has done. So please be careful. I don't know if we can replace priceless things. And just as these are quote unquote priceless dishes, you need to know how much more you are priceless. That when you receive it, you need to know that you matter. And so as they're shared today, I want you to pass them and not just throw them down the aisle. The goal is not time. The goal is intimacy. And I want you to look at someone and hand it to them. And as an act of worship, I want you to say thank you. Can we do that, church? Let's receive together, hang on to them, and then I'll come and lead you right at the end. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.